Hey folks, welcome back to Happy Hour. If you've never listened before, what's up? My name is Jess Brohard. So as a career, I'm an esports event host, but since I'm also a recovering alcoholic, I'm super open to talking about topics like mental health. I think we definitely need to be talking about them a lot more. So I decided to start this podcast where I interview my peers from esports and gaming, and we talk about their careers, their mental health, and how the two affect each other. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Ashley Glassell, aka Midnight. She's the director of content for the Minnesota Rockers CDL team and the Rocket League team version one. And she's also a content creator. She spent a decade as a full-time content creator. And now while she still streams, she also works a bit more behind the scenes. So we explored how she got to this point in her career, what it was like for her when Optic Gaming got sold and much, much more. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. So I know you, obviously, as the director of content for Minnesota Rocker, and I know you've done a ton of other things before that. So can you tell me about what kind of things you do in your current role? So um, obviously, before I, I came into this role, I was you know heavily ingrained in the Call of Duty and esports scene. Started off as a content creator, YouTuber, then Twitch streamer, was a part of Optic Gaming for nine years, and then moved into my current role, which is director of content for uh, Minnesota Rocker and version one, because we also have a Rocket League team. Um, and so my day-to-day tasks are always wild because we are, you know, it's it's a new esports org, right? So it's kind of in that startup vibe where there's just so much to do and we are, we're so ambitious. So that's been really fun. But a big part of what I do is, is help us, you know, kind of slate out our content, whether it's, you know, hey, Cold War just came out. Let's make sure that we shoot A, B, and C with our players or, hey, you know, what Warzone streamers should we be looking at? Is that something we should be looking to do? And then we also host um, pretty large events here and there. So trying to ensure we have, you know, great streamers a part of that. Um, and just, yeah, all all things content all the time is is what I do every day. So, and obviously you were a full-time content creator before. So now you, like, you know what makes good content. So that's, I'm sure, what makes you so good at your job. So what was the transition like going from being a content creator yourself to becoming the director of content for uh, an organization? It's been super interesting because it's literally the other side of the coin. Like before I was, you know, I was Optic Midnight. I was I was the streamer. I was the person out there like helping get the deliverable shot. And now I'm on the other side of the coin. I'm looking at the streamers and I'm saying, uh, hey, like maybe we want to bring you into the fold here of this organization. Like what way does that make sense for us? What way does it make sense for those specific streamers? And even more in general, like trying to just implement the same types of content that, that I used to do, you know, in, in years previous around call of duty and just implementing it and instilling it into like our current rocker players. Uh, I'm sure uh, like all four of our guys have been streaming almost nonstop since cold war came out attached and priestess seem especially interested in doing content and building their own brand. So it's all about helping, you know, those people help themselves a little bit because ultimately that reflects back on the organization, right? I mean, we've seen it time and time again with organizations like Optic Gaming, FaZe, now 100 Thieves, you know, content is what rules those teams. Like, yes, it's it's great to win and, and be good, but it's it's always it's always about content at the end of the day. That's why it's so entertaining. So for me, it's been an awesome adjustment. It's been the biggest life change I've ever gone through. And I didn't even realize that it was about to happen because I obviously like heard about, you know, the Minnesota Vikings ownership um, family, the Wills family and minority owner Gary B buying a Minnesota Call of Duty 
league slot. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to be a part of that. Like that is, I don't, if you don't know, I'm from Minnesota my whole life. I love Call of Duty. Like it just made a match made in heaven really. So I hit them up and I just, I was like, I'm down to like do whatever is needed to make this, um, you know, successful. And so that's, it was a big shift from, okay, yeah, I'm going to make sure I stream like, you know, this regularly to I'm going to make sure I build the roster for this team and make good content that people want to stick around for. It was a pretty big transition. That's really cool. Cause I didn't know, I, I figured it was something like that. So I'm, I'm, it's cool to hear your backstory. I, I assumed you were like from Minnesota and then that's why, you know, and then when, oh, Minnesota now has a CDL team, you're very excited, obviously, cause it's, you know, right in your hometown. Uh, so it wasn't any situation or, or, or maybe was it, had you outside of the rocker, like if, if there hadn't had the, become the CDL team right in your backyard had you had plans to like retire from content creation and, and kind of do something a little more behind the scenes? Yeah. So I was actually like, it was a weird time in my life too. Cause I just moved back to Minnesota from uh, Texas where I lived for a couple years down there with, with optic gaming during all of that incredibly just weird, weird time um, for that team. And I came back and like, I knew that, that, all the other guys were, were going to leave Optic. I knew I was going to, um, based on, you know, what had happened. Um, you know, flash forward now, everything's great. And then, you know, yeah. it's, it's back in Hector's hands and everything's all good. But at the time, you know, it was like, we got to get out of here, man. Um, and, so, and so we did. And I left. And I, I, I knew I wanted to keep streaming. But I was starting to feel like, like I just turned 30, right? And I'd spent the last, like, decade of my life, like, just playing a bunch of Call of Duty, creating content, you know, making connections in the scene. But I didn't re- like I didn't have a college degree to fall back on. Like I was really starting to look at my options. I was like, well, maybe I want to like manage a team or manage um, a creator. But I'm not really like the agent type. Like I'm not that type of person. I'm just not mm-hmm. built like that to have those types of conversations. And like be a little schmoozy when I need I mean I can be schmoozy but I just I'm not I don't think of myself as like I could be your agent dude um but I knew I wanted to like help creators and so I was actually looking into you know continuing to stream myself because I was making enough to to just sustain myself doing that but I want I always wanted more right I was like what is the evolution of this and esports is so new that there's really no like hey after you do this this is what the position you get right Right. it's it's all just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. It's in its infancy, even still, even after the last 10 years, like it's still mm. a new thing. So yeah, I, I got incredibly lucky um, with the timing. And, and I, if I'm honest, like Minnesota rocker got incredibly lucky that I was there at the right time. Yeah, as well. of course. So well, that's it, very cool. The timing just like lined up. Yeah, it was literally a month, like almost a month to the day after I'd moved back to Minnesota, this got announced. And I just immediately knew like I could be an asset to this team. Here's how I could be an asset to this team. And and I was. But yeah, to and like to answer the question, there was a lot of uncertainty at that time of like, how do I evolve this into the next like part of my career? And luckily, you know, I'm a I'm a really like self-motivated person. I mean, I worked for myself for like 10 years basically, right? So I I know like how to how to stay motivated um but to have like more structure more infrastructure here with with this team it's been really a a change of pace and a and a good experience for me so far so i wanted to ask and and 
Um, I understand if you're not allowed to talk about it, but with all the stuff with, you know, Optic and Immortals and, and Hex now, you know, owning Optic again, and I've seen so many people, like he's obviously a, a such, um, you know, there's so much love for him out there and and the organization is so supported now that it's back in Hex's hands. So, um, and you kind of almost answered this question for me, but like, what was it like when um, Immortals took over ownership of Optic and what was that like for, you know, for, for you, um, being kind of on the inside of Optic and then also for sort of fans of, of the organization? It was weird for me. I mean, I kind of already knew, like, once I heard that the team was getting sold again from, uh, from, man, what was their name? It starts with not Infinite. Um, once I heard it was getting sold, like, from Infinite, I was like, oh, this is, like, not good. And then there was a chance that, like, maybe Hector was going to get it back then. So we were like, yo, I hope. And then, and that didn't happen. And IGC came in and, I didn't really understand it from the jump. I was like, why are they doing this? I don't get it. Um, I had some, I had good conversations with them. Like, I don't think there's anything, you know, wrong with, with their ownership or leadership at that, at that team. I just think that they, you know, came in and I think they genuinely thought, yeah, we could keep going with this thing. It'll be rough for a, a little bit, but we can really build off of the, what, what they've already got here. Cause I mean, they were buying, you know, a, a Twitter handle with like 3 million followers mm -hmm. and, and all, dude, they're inheriting a brand. But I think what we witnessed was the biggest example of, of what esports teams and organizations are and can represent because yeah, they kept the optic gaming name and, and were OGLA, but that's not optic. Right. And right. I think everyone knew that like the soul wasn't there and it just, they set themselves up for failure. If they had just bought that slot, renamed the team they probably would still be in call of duty i don't know just guessing yeah. um so yeah i don't i never truly understood what they were trying to do um i knew it would not work it, it did not work um and and they tucked tail and got out which i think is, is probably good for them i think it's a learning experience and it, like i said it is a great example um it's it's a case study really for for mm -hmm. esports and how grassroots it truly can be at times do you see that kind of thing happening um, with the rise of esports and how big it is? And we see so many, like, what do they call it, non-endemic brands getting involved in esports because they see that there's so many eyes on it, especially during a pandemic. So do you see other brands kind of making that mistake and, and, and sort of not knowing what they're doing? I mean, sometimes I think... I mean, it's like I said, esports. There's there's case studies that you look at with certain teams that are definitely doing it the right way, and then you can kind of see like like Hundred Thieves is a great example of an organization where you know Nate Shaw he started it, but it it wasn't always awesome for Hundred Thieves. I'm <laughs> sure they they'd like to forget about the event where they had like prison type <laughs> jerseys or jail jerseys, <laughs> and it was just. There was there was issues um, internally. They didn't have the infrastructure they needed, but you know they get a solid investment. They get that infrastructure in there. They have a great person at the helm in in Matt, and then obviously the, the folks he's hired around himself. So I think you know that's a great case study of people who are doing it right. And I don't think it's it's always as obvious because there's a lot of things that that kind of need to go right. And and esports is still in that young stage where it's not something you join and you're hoping to flip your brick within two years. It really is a long play. It's a long-term investment. It's people you see it like with celebrities or athletes, you know, wanting to own stakes uh, and, and equity in these companies. It's, it's really new. Um, but that's because it has, I think such a bright future that hasn't even truly caught on just yet. This episode is brought to you by cap 10 hats. 
high-quality dad hats that donate 10% of their profits to ocean cleaning efforts. And now, as we're heading into the colder months, Cap 10 is introducing new beanies in three colors to keep you warm for the winter. And as a thank you to Happy Hour listeners, you can use code HAPPY for 15% off your order. Go to cap10hats.ca, that's C-A-P-T-E-N hats.ca, and use code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-I, for 15% off your order. Once again, that's cap10hats.ca, and use code HAPPY for 15% off. Join the movement and help save our oceans. Even though it is such a new industry, in a lot of ways, like, things have changed so, so fast. Um, what are some of the, the biggest changes that you've noticed? Because you've kind of been here since the beginning, and especially with regards to being a woman in the industry and sort of the industry's treatment and perception of women and marginalized groups in general. How has that changed uh, since the beginning? Oh, it's changed a lot. I mean, I, I think back to, like, I, I don't know where you, I think you, wait, when did you start playing? You started playing in... For me, Call of like Duty long- was... was- World War Two? Is that what you're asking, or like? Yeah, or even just FPS in general. Oh, like, with uh, like, yeah, games. Because I was involved in like the Frag Dolls back in the day. Yeah. Okay. Go so, like man. back in like 2009, 2010 ish. Were you on Modern Warfare Two, a part of the Frag Dolls? So I was never like an actual Frag Doll. I was there. It was. Um. It was. I'm trying to think. It would have been after Modern Warfare Two. Because Modern Warfare 2 would have been like 2009, I think. And then in in March 2010 through August 2010 is when I was on the like Fragdoll like cadet like internship thing that they did. Dang, that's a throwback, man. I used to like <laughs> I so I was actually I found my first like group of other female gamers PMS at man? the time. Yeah, it was PMS and then there was a different one. It was like we we tried to be this, it was this team called D8. And um, oh, okay. I, was, I, I think was a D eight or G eight. It stood for like dominatrix, which I I didn't oh. pick the name. I didn't <laughs> pick the name. That was already there when I got there. But they were really good, so I wanted to play with them. And we uh-huh. would like if we saw another like girl clan, we would like obviously you know give them props and be like, oh my god, yes! Like you remember, it was like finding a unicorn yeah. back in the day. Right. If you found another girl playing. Mm-hmm. So, but it was always competitive, right? You'd be like, oh well we're better than PMS. Like we could, yeah. we could beat them, but, but still like that, that friendly camaraderie, because when, when you were on in those games at the time, it can get really toxic. Like just being a girl just yeah. brings you so much unnecessary, like friction and just toxicity and bad vibes. And it's not every time, but it was a lot. Like I wouldn't even talk it's on enough. my mic. It's a, it's enough to be annoyed. And I would even like, if, if I would, like I saw a place search and destroy pubs, and I'll try to like call out and be like, "Oh, they went to B," and they're like, "Are you a little kid or a little girl?" <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, "I just say that I was a little kid because it was easier." But then they'd still I make fun of thing. me for that. Isn't it easier? Yeah, yeah. No, it actually yeah. is easier. I did literally the same thing, but like I was almost kind of trolling. But just like because if they asked, they were like, "Are you a girl or a little boy?" I would say I would just say like, I would just go with it. I was just like, "I'm a little boy." And then I actually had the situation just recently where. God, what was I playing? I think I was actually playing Warzone and only one of my teammates had a mic and he just assumed I was like a little boy, but it was really, it was kind of precious because he was like really, really nice. He was like explaining everything. Oh, I know. Cause it was when they were doing the, the wars, the Halloween stuff. And he was like explaining like how to find the, the Halloween chest to me. And he was like, he kept like calling me like buddy and like 
champ. <laughs> I think I got a, a junior at one point. So I kind of liked that, but it kind of is easier than like, cause all right. One thing that for me is always annoying is when you, you, when you use voice chat, they know you're a girl and they don't, it's not that they like make fun of you or not, or necessarily negative, but like when they even, when they bring it up, it always like rubs me the wrong way just because it's like, why does it matter? Like, are you asking what I have in my pants? Like, is that really pertinent to what we're doing here in this game? But I don't know if that's just me. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. It's it's kind of like those people go on the internet, I think, like with with that kind of attitude to just talk and chirp to anybody really. And so they'll look for whatever it is. Like if it sounds like a little kid, they'll chirp about that. If it's a girl, they'll chirp about that. Make me a sandwich. I bet you're fat. Blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. I've heard and trust me like I've I mean I'm sure you have too. Like I have heard every possible insult in the book ever. I mean I was in mm -hmm. peak Modern Warfare 2 voice chat lot. Like I've heard it all. So I've developed really thick skin over the years. Um but to kind of like go back to answer the original question, I have noticed that it's become a lot easier to um you know be be taken seriously as a girl um you know in this scene i look yeah. to some of the big streamers that are just crushing it right now who who are women you have like pokimane and valkyrie like those types uh of, of women who are obviously really successful but there's even more who who haven't quite reached that level yet and they are you're noticing like they are being taken seriously they are you know being supported and I don't think it's just because they're a girl or not. I think it's because they have that unique talent. And just because they happen to be a girl doesn't doesn't really matter. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. we're starting to see that shine through a little bit because they are genuinely talented and good at the game and entertaining. And yeah, I think I think yeah. we're we're on the right track. It's not nowhere near perfect. I'm sure if I plug yeah. in my mic on Cold War, I will still have a have a earful of weird dudes, but <laughs> Yeah, it's it's much better than it was for sure. Yeah, let's start talking a little bit about mental health and such. So uh, you have a very high level kind of public facing job um, with a big organization. Do you feel um, I mean, and you're still also putting yourself out there and, and streaming and everything like that. How much kind of external pressure do you feel from like the public sort of the the gamers in general? I feel pressure quite often, but it's mostly like self-imposed. I don't think it really comes from anyone else but myself. Um, actually, so I, and I thought this was really awesome that you asked me to come on because I do and have been vocal about, you know, mental health issues and, and just people maybe just being a little bit more open about those things because I think when they go untalked about, that's when, you know, these things can really fester within people. I have somebody who struggled with, you know, different um, bouts of depression and anxiety um, pretty frequently, like all through my life. And it especially got actually really bad for me last year when I did take this job. I was having a really like I was having physical anxiety symptoms that I could not control. Like I would usually like think myself up to them before, you know, when you're really nervous about something or you're really like uh, high spun. But for this, it was like I would just go about my day and all of a sudden it was like, like something switched in my brain and I just couldn't calm down. So it was the worst. And so I think a lot of that came from a little bit of a change of pace in, in my life that, that I was experiencing, but also just immense pressure from myself to 
be good at my job, mm-hmm. do do the right thing, be entertaining, make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm carving out this path that I want for myself and this organization the right way. And it doesn't come from anyone else but me. And it's something that I've spent a lot of time, you know, working on, whether it's with through therapy or medication, I've, I'm a different person almost than I was a year ago, which has been really kind of an interesting journey for me. I, I really appreciate you, you know, being open and, and talking about things like that because um, it, like you said, it's not necessarily talked about enough. And I think for me, the reason I like to be so kind of vocal about stuff like this is because it's something that, especially in the game industry, like, well, there's, there's a lot of people that suffer from anxiety and depression, myself included. And it, there used to be just such a stigma behind it. And it used to be like such a big no-no to talk about like, you know, medication. And like, we've come a long way since the 1950s where like now I think therapy is for everyone. Like if you see a therapist, it doesn't have this notion anymore that like you're crazy and you need to get your head shrunk. It's just a thing that you do. It's like everybody has pressures and stresses and bad things that they go through. And therapy is just for like offering an alternative perspective. But would you say that have you always been kind of an anxious, like high strung person? And then, um, this job really put additional pressure on you? Um, yeah, I would say so. I've had it, it has always kind of like ebbed and flowed throughout my life. And I'm not, I never really like understood why that was. I think it's, mm-hmm. it really is like a chemical thing or just something that like tilts me. Cause for a while I couldn't even identify like what was bothering me. Um, and I didn't even really know that it was anxiety. I was like, oh, I'm just like freaking out. Like, <laughs> I didn't yeah. really know what it meant. Um, until I really started to like start to have more of these conversations, whether it was with friends or even being open, like online, I've always kind of been open, whether it's my, my Twitter feed or my Twitch channel, like just open about some of these things. And people are like, yo, me too. Like that, and, like yeah. that helps a lot. Like it doesn't solve my problem, but knowing you're not alone yeah. is, is so, so helpful. And so I think, yeah, I've always, like, thinking back to my childhood, like, the things as a kid that I would get nervous about. Oh, that's anxiety, Ashley. That's why you were yeah. freaking out about this thing that doesn't matter. It's because you couldn't, like, control the the track that your brain was playing. It's it's kind of yeah. crazy when you, you think, think back on it. This episode is brought to you by Cap 10 Hats, high-quality dad hats that donate 10% of their profits to ocean cleaning efforts. And now, as we're heading into the colder months, Cap 10 is introducing new beanies in three colors to keep you warm for the winter. And as a thank you to Happy Hour listeners, you can use code HAPPY for 15% off your order. Go to cap10hats.ca, that's C-A-P-T-E-N hats.ca, and use code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-I, for 15% off your order. Once again, that's cap10hats.ca and use code HAPPY for 15% off. Join the movement and help save our oceans. Yeah, I'm the same way. So because I was like officially diagnosed with anxiety in I think 2015 and there were so many times and I remember kind of thinking through the timeline of my life and there was a period of time where I like first of all just didn't realize that I was like different from the other kids, you know, that the other kids aren't like worried sick about things. They're they're just being kids. That's what they do. They don't have too much to stress about. Like I didn't even realize that I was like stressed all the time until I remember like in high school, one of my one of my teachers <laughs> very pointedly said, Has anyone ever described you as tightly wound? 
And I, <laughs> I was like, oh no, but maybe I should get that looked at. And then like later on, I went through this, you know, this kind of journey where I realized, oh, that's anxiety. That's what it is. And this is how you manage it. And for me, it was really important when I started seeing other people that I kind of looked up to being open about things like their weaknesses and, and vulnerabilities. We're not necessarily that having anxiety is is a weakness or anything like that, but you know, it's a struggle and it's it's really important for me to have kind of role models. So like I think it's great that, you know, you're a a you know very successful woman and uh, you have this great career in gaming and you're open about like talking about these kinds of stuff. Did you find that like have you always been pretty open about talking about that? Um, yeah, I think more so in recent years, it really started like, it started really bad in, I think it was 2014 or 2015. I got really bad flight anxiety out of nowhere after traveling like everywhere to go to a bunch of different events and influencer type things for my job. Like that hit me really hard and I didn't understand that. And so that's when I started really cognitively thinking about it a lot more. And then I noticed it kind of creeping into uh, my life in other ways and so I you know was at first like well I don't want anyone to know that I'm having this problem because it's embarrassing like it keeps me from doing things that I like to do or maybe people don't understand why I flake on things you know what I mean it's mm -hmm. it's like wanting to be able to provide that openness and not just so that I can make other people feel better but just makes myself feel better to let them know like hey like this is why it's not because I hate you or I don't want to do it's like this. I have this other kind of thing and it's, it's difficult to talk about because it's invisible, right? Like I can't say, yeah. look, my arm is broken. Like, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work that way. Um, one thing I kind of want to go back to though. So yeah. the, this last, like it was like the end of last year, I decided I wanted to go on medication because like I said, I was getting like uncontrollable anxiety issues just physical symptoms like I would like literally start shaking and I could not understand why mm -hmm. and so I I went to the doctor and I was talking to her and I was like hey like I just I want to start some medication and see how it goes I really I'm nervous about starting it because I really like like what I do and I like my job and I like my life and I just don't want this to like mess up any of that and she's like well have you ever thought that you might be like she, she said it in a really good way. I can't remember what exactly she said, but it basically made me feel like my anxiety wasn't as much of a block as I thought it was, as it might help mm -hmm. me in some ways. Because she was like, have you ever thought that you're successful because you overthink so much and because you obsess over things and you want to uh -huh. be good at it? And I was like, yeah, like, but that's good, but also it's bad, right? Like, how do we balance that out, right? And so the medication has helped with balancing that and obviously talking about it with not only openly, but in therapy too. So that's one thing where it's, it's an example of it not just being a, a negative. It's all about kind of training it and honing it to what helps you get through the day the best. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. I, because I, I, you know, because it's good to think about how it has potentially benefited you. Um, yeah, I think, I think your therapist was right about that. It's very, very interesting. Um, and of course, you know, that's, I think one of the main benefits of therapy is just offering like an alternate perspective. Um, so now, especially these days when everything is like work from home, um, I, and, and it just in gaming in general, I felt for a while that there seems to be kind of less of a like separation between your work life and your personal life. Like it almost kind of like for me, it kind of seems like my like colleagues, and my coworkers, like those are also my friends, you know, those are the people that I kind of socialize with and stuff like that. And there's just less of a divide there. So do you feel that does your, um, you know, in addition to obviously like 
helping in those ways that that you mentioned. Do you feel that your your mental health affects your career quite a lot, or do you feel that your career affects your mental health? I think it goes both ways. I think it's it's kind of about finding that balance too, and like understanding like, hey, there's something that you really need to get done, and you need to commit to it and and go all the way. But you can't sit there and like be up until three a.m. wondering if you should have phrased the email differently, or you know, wondering, <laughs> oh, I'm really nervous to go on this radio show to talk about our event because what if X Y Z happens? Like it's eliminating those types of thoughts and allowing myself to just, with experience, get more comfortable with those things. I think that's one thing about anxiety that I know is kind of like part of a cognitive behavioral therapy is just exposing yourself to what makes you uncomfortable so it's been a lot mm -hmm. of continually doing that which has helped I do think my anxiety has obviously negatively affected me whether it's even personally not even just with work but personally it's affected me negatively but also it's it's affected some of those things positively because I am able now to be much much more self-aware and that's probably not the anxiety is doing it's my own self trying to solve the anxiety but it still like helps me really understand myself and understand like what what am I most efficient in or what am I most effective at and, and how can I continue to you know just be better every day I think it's it's been important for helping me do a lot of self-reflection mm -hmm. do you consider yourself one of those people like do you like to have everything planned out and routine and and scheduled and if something goes you know, a little bit wrong, it, it causes you a lot of anxiety? Or do you prefer to be kind of like laid back, go with the flow, not have to rush anywhere? Uh, I like laid back, go with the flow. But with certain things, like if I, especially if I know I need to like be, be a bit more organized or get certain things done, especially in regards to work, I like to have a lot of structure there because that really helps me. Like if I have the skeleton ready to go, like I can build the body, right? Like mm -hmm. I can put the rest of it there. And so that's really helpful. But yeah, for like, Kind of outside of work, I prefer to just, oh, yeah, I feel like doing this today. Like, I don't mm. like, because I don't know about you, but if you have, like, plans with somebody on Thursday, and let's just obviously outside of pandemic land, because I'm not going and hanging out yeah. with people all the time. But <laughs> if I have plans on Thursday, I'm going to dread those plans all week. <laughs> I don't know why. But until yeah. I go and I'm, that I'm happy, I don't know why I, like, dread doing stuff. <laughs> Probably. I mean, it's not <laughs> like, it's so weird. I don't even understand, like, why that is. Social anxiety. Um, I guess, yeah, but <laughs> it, it, it gets a little easier uh, as you do it more. But yeah, yeah. it's always kind of been um, been a thing. So I like, you know, if, if, if a friend calls me on Thursday randomly and I have time, they're like, you know, you want to go do this? I'm like, yes, let's go. That's oh, somehow easier to me than like I, planning it out. I know exactly what you mean. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And hey, if you want to do me a solid, I would really appreciate it if you would follow or rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. So if you're listening on Spotify and you hit that follow button, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you give us a rating, that really helps the podcast get discovered more easily. And also don't forget about that bonus content that we have coming. It is almost ready to be released. So if you're interested in that, please go to our website and enter your email in the box to get notified when that launches. The website is happyhour.io. That's H-A-P-P-I-H-O-U-R.io. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.